Mike White. Mike effing White. Mike effing White. Miguel Blanco. Mike White. Mike fucking White. 22 of 28 for three touchdowns. The first drive touchdown. Elijah Moore scored. Ten different receivers caught the football. Mike effing White. Mike effing White. Wow. That game could not have gone any better for Robert Sala and the New York Jets. And for Jet fans everywhere. And for Mike White. And it could not have gotten worse for Zach Wilson. I mean, a complete team victory. No major mistakes anywhere across the board for the New York Jets. I mean, if you just want to, like, that first drive in itself was incredible. It was, they ran the ball effectively. He got it out to a bunch of different receivers. Ended on a red zone touchdown on third down. They converted a third down in the red zone. And, I mean, besides the defense being a little sus for the first two possessions, that was some of the best defensive football we've seen from them almost all year. And, you know, we've expected that as well. Um, going to this team with a Bears team that wasn't really sure if Justin Fields was going to play or not. Obviously, we got Trevor Simeon, almost had Nathan Peterman. Wow. 31-10, to victory at MetLife. They did not ruin Darrell Rivas' day, thank God. It's a shame they ruined DeBrick and Nick Mangle day, but they did not ruin Darrell Rivas' day. And I mean, the offensive game plan, Mike White, 22 of 20, 22 for 28, 315 yards passing, averaging 11.3 yards a throw, three touchdowns, only sacked once, 10 different receivers caught passes. Garrett Wilson had two touchdowns. Elijah Moore got in the end zone. Come on. Elijah Moore is actually happy after a game. And the Jets ran the ball down the Bears' throat with three different running backs. We had 32 total rushes for 158 yards. I will take that every day. That's Jet football. When you run the football effectively, makes the passing game a lot easier. That's when this team's at its best. And that helped a lot, too, because we had Corey Davis back healthy. Max Mitchell came back, even though he probably wasn't going to play, but stepped in for an injured Cedric Obue. I still I got to remember. I got to know how to pronounce his last name. But Nate Herbig back as well, full week healthy. Just a dominant, dominant day for this Jet team. The first game in a while where it was kind of a, you know, a take care of business kind of game. Like, we knew we were going to win. We know they're the better team. Let's just go out there and do what we do and handle our business. And the Jets delivered. And, I mean, the first headline of the game, I mean, I mean all people have been talking about is Mike F and White. Mike White. Mike White. Mike White. Miguel Blanco. Mike White. Sounds even good too when you whisper it. The Jets just played awesome. And Mike White played a big part of that. I mean, he made the easy throws look easy. He found receivers on hot routes. And, you know, we'll get into this right now with the keys of the game. And as we like to do on the show all the time, we like to review the keys of the game. My first key was to protect the football. For Mike White not to play any hero ball. And he didn't. Mike White played within the offense. He made easy check down throws. He had no turnovers. He recognized blitzes and found the hot receiver on the hot route. He was efficient. I mean, 22 for 28. He just took what the defense gave him. I mean, he didn't really try to force any crazy balls. 
he wasn't scrambling around. He got the ball out of his hands quickly. I believe it was 2.4 seconds the ball was in his hands at the most. And we were efficient on third down. I believe the Jets, and I have the number somewhere in front of me, the Jets were 7-12 on third down in this game. Jets were 7-12 on third down. That's awesome. Those are some awesome numbers. So, I mean, all credit to Salah for having the balls to make that decision. But Mike White delivered. And, I mean, he almost had two interceptions. One almost to Eddie Jackson earlier in the game. Bounced off his hands. And then on the Garrett Wilson second touchdown, the ball literally slipped through the Chicago linebacker's hands. Obviously didn't catch it. But, wow, what a game by Mike White. I mean, what more could you have asked for? A three touch- another three-touchdown game from Mike White. And it's going to be pretty interesting to see how the Jets approach this Zach Wilson situation. You know, will he even... Are they even going to be willing to bring him back with how good Mike White might play against the Minnesota next week and going forward? But it definitely adds, definitely adds another interesting layer to this team. One that I'm not totally, I'm totally super excited about because I'd rather this team just focus on winning rather than quarterback drama. But hey, Mike White played a great game, protected the football. First key to the game, check. My second key was don't let just, this is like, my, my second key was let Justin Fields beat you in the air. And that wasn't really an issue, so check because he didn't play. Uh, he's always going to be a game time decision. I recorded the preview episode, which sadly did not get aired um, due to some issues on my end and just the whole busy Thanksgiving weekend and whatnot. But Justin Fields didn't even play. Trevor Simeon got the start. Um, besides those first two possessions, that whole offense was pretty ineffective the whole game. Um, David Montgomery was the biggest offensive threat that they had. I mean, the touchdown drive they had too. DJ Reed had perfect coverage on Byron Pringle, and Pringle just made one hell of a catch. So, check, I guess. I guess it counts because Fields didn't play. And then always, the third most important key to the game, every game, it's always going to be the difference between a win and a loss in the National Football League, the trenches. And we're going to start with the Jets' offensive line. And they were nasty. We ran the effing rock. 32 rushes for 158 yards. I already said it. In between three different running backs. Bam Knight, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter before he got injured. Everyone just looked great. Everyone looked great. Everyone was getting north-south on their runs. They were breaking tackles. And all line, the linemen, I remember on Ty Johnson's uh, touchdown run, we saw Lake and Tomlinson able to get to the second level and seal off a linebacker. That kind of sprung Johnson free. Just a great overall performance. That you could really tell they're firing off the ball. If you go back and watch the tape, Connor McGovern has a couple, our center has a couple uh, pancake blocks in there as well. And Mike White was only sacked once. I mean, this Bears defense too was missing their three best players, traded away some of their better pass rushers. Still an NFL defense. Good job of protecting the quarterback. But also running the ball, the Jets were having success running the ball early and often in downs, creating manageable third downs for Mike White. I mean, the Jets went 7-12 to 12 
for third down. But a lot of those third downs too were third and fours, third and fives, and less. And it's so hard to complete those, but you have a better chance in third and eight, third and nine, and so on. And I just want to highlight one drive in particular where I thought the Jets' offensive line really, really impressed me. And that was in the third quarter. I believe it was around the seven-minute mark, right before Elijah Moore had his touchdown on a third and four. The Jets start off that drive with five straight runs for positive yardage, just completely embarrassing, dismembering, deflating, what other words, demoralizing the Bears' front seven. Then on a third and four, they come back at them, come back at them throw a 20-yard touchdown pass. And, I mean, just having Herbig and Mitchell returning to the lineup, like th- those are the kind of drives I love to see. That third quarter drive, five straight runs, third and four, 20-yard touchdown pass, where the run game complements the passing game in such a beautiful way, and you're still able to impose yourself physically on your opponent. And then after that point, I mean... That was a big touchdown for the Jets, and after that, the game was definitely over. I mean, the Bears' offense wasn't doing much before, but that touchdown in the end really sealed the deal. Now the Jets' D-line. Not their best day, but still a very impactful day. You can still tell that their presence does a lot for this defense. They had two sacks and five quarterback hits. I mean, they have the best four-man front in the NFL when they have a five-man front and they get isolation, one-on-ones with them and an opponent's offensive line. Nobody stands a chance against this group. Nobody stands a chance against this group. And a four-man and especially a five-man front, I have not seen a Jets defensive line be more dominant. Even that Sons of Anarchy with... Muhammad Wilker's son, Sheldon Richards' son, Damon Harris' son, and for some reason, Quentin Copel's. There's such a lame nickname for such a very lame team as well. They were a, an elite unit in the NFL, but this unit blows them out of the water. Even Rex Ryan's teams, with Sean Ellis, Mike DeVito, Suwani Puha, Who am I missing? Calvin Pace, he was a linebacker. Brian Thomas, Jason Taylor for a certain amount of time. They never had a group like this one. They were not as dominant as this group. Just being able to get sacks with a four-man or five-man pressure. Because those Rex Ryan teams love to blitz. This Jets team does not blitz at all. I mean, the offense too. With the first downs they were able to get, going 7-12 to 12 on third down, the defense looked really well-rested. And we know the Jets do like to rotate their line, D-line, pretty frequently, but it helps so much more, and they're going to play so much better when the offense can convert on third down, stay in the field, and give the defense a rest. And also, the Jets got off the field on third down. Bears were only 4-13 for 13 on, the, on the money down in the NFL. So it was really nice to see, you know, com- I said complimentary team win. This was the epitome of that. I mean, the offense was clicking on all cylinders. They were staying on the field, giving the defense rest. When the defense got on the field, they got off the field quick. Got on the field, they got off the field quickly. Keeping the offense in rhythm, 
And that's why he got 31 points. And Mike White throws for three touchdowns and has one of the most efficient games a Jet quarterback has ever had since Geno Smith did all the way back in 2014 when he had that perfect passer rating in Miami and, and Rex Ryan's last game as a New York Jet head coach. I was at that game. It was pretty crazy. Uh, crazy to think that Geno's back and playing as well after so much time off. And who knows what, what that 2015 team would have looked like with him if Ikan and Polly didn't punch him in the jaw and break his jaw for, you know, Geno owed him $300. Some, some stupid little sum of money for a guy who's making six-figure salary every year. But, I mean, ultimate, ultimate complimentary team win. The Jets were able to protect the football. I mean, completely shut down the Bears' offense, except, you know, the first two possessions of the game. And the O-line was able to keep Mike White on his feet, was able to establish the run, which helped the Jets convert on third downs. And the Jets' D-line and the whole defense in general, but the D-line in particular, starts and ends with them. We're really able to be well-rested because the Jets' offense was on the field. And when the defense was had their chances and playing against the Bears' offense, they were able to get them off the field and keep the Jets' offense in rhythm. So overall, probably one of the, the better games I think we have seen from this team all year. And especially in a game where their opponent is far worse than they are. Everyone knew the Jets were better, and the Jets really showed it. There weren't any lapses. There wasn't any point in the game where you're like, oh, Chicago might have a chance to come back. There wasn't a point where the Jets shot themselves in the foot. I really can't recall any costly penalties. Maybe Sauce Gardner's pass interference, but those are going to happen. Those are gimmies. But no terrible holding calls to stall drives, no bad false starts, encroachments, no roughing the passers. An overall very clean game. And I've been noticing the last couple of weeks, the Jets have been playing a lot cleaner football, shooting themselves in the foot a little bit less. So now we're at this point where we are still the, we are the seventh seed currently in the NFL playoffs, the AFC playoffs. And according to 538, the Jets have a 51% chance to make the playoffs. Let that sink in. And guess what month it's going to be in a little bit? December. And what did Robert Sala say at the beginning of the offseason? And Joe Douglas say at the beginning of the offseason? Our goal is to play meaningful games in December. Check. Done. We did it. We're here. We're at that point. So now what's the expectation? How does the bar get higher? And I was listening to Robert Sala's Monday press conference, and someone did ask him this question. And Sala gave, you know, the very appropriate head coach-like response. Yeah, we're here now, and it feels great, but we haven't done anything yet. we still got six games left to go. I mean, you saw what I said, 51% chance to make the playoffs. That's pretty good. But we're the New York Jets. That's what we do. We fuck up. We choke. We break your heart. We disappoint. And you make people like me, my dad, my friends, all just feel like shit until the draft rolls around. And then we start feeling happy again. But then the cycle repeats. 
and repeats again. So there's a lot of football left to be played. This team is playing, I mean, pretty great, especially now with Mike White in. The offense was clicking. Garrett Wilson, I mean, it's crazy. I have not seen a player like him, an explosive player like him, that can make the plays like he can, I think, ever. Santonio Holmes in 2010 was the closest. But even then, he was old, definitely in the twilight of his career. But Garrett Wilson just got drafted. I've never seen the Jets have a player like him. And to have a quarterback that can actually get him the ball. And who knows, maybe Zach Wilson, whatever he's doing now and his plan is, he'll figure it out. And he'll be back in a couple weeks. But right now, I mean, if Mike White continues to just play efficient, good football and not turn the ball over, I mean, like, why would you bring him back? And I've been a Zach Wilson supporter this whole time, but right now Mike White gives you the best chance to win. And they're going to go one week at a time and see how it goes. The Jets are playing meaningful games in December. It's a lot of football left to be played. We got Minnesota next week, a very good team, but also a team that has one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. It's really setting us up for failure, isn't it? I mean, if there's any kind of trap game, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of, I mean, that's not the definition of a trap game. Trap game would be like that Chicago game. We were playing a worse team, a team we should have beat, even though we were coming off a loss and not a big win. Like if we beat New England the other week and Zach Wilson had a great game, never got benched, then we came in to play Chicago and laid an egg, that was a, that would be that would have been a trap game. And I think Vegas only has us a three-point underdog as of now in Minnesota. But there's a lot of football left to be played. But I mean with this team's defense, guys like Garrett Wilson and with George Fant very being very close to returning, Bam Knight finding his way into the running game, providing some fresh legs giving James Robinson maybe a little bit more time to get acclimated. And if so, maybe it's just a three-headed monster between Robinson, Knight, and Carter. But the mentality with how the Jets are approaching this Mike White situation is still one week at a time. It's one week at a time. And you could tell how selfless this team was yesterday or sorry, on Sunday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. I mean, this team is just different from last year's. This team is really just different. We have a playoff caliber defense, uh, potential all pros all across the defensive line, rookies of the year all across the D-line. I mean, Michael Clemens is now graded as the the highest, he's now the highest graded Rookie pass rusher. A guy we got so late in the draft. And he's an absolute freak beast. Sam Huff. Bryce Huff. I keep getting him confused with the Giants, the old Giants player. Bryce Huff. It's one of the highest graded pass rushers. Jermaine Johnson is also in that top five list of pro football focus rookie pass rushers. 
And if this team can just keep running the football effectively and not turn the ball over and just stay in game, and, you know, the defense can keep you in a game long enough and find a way to score a couple points, I mean, we, we can beat anybody. I feel confident in almost every matchup that we have. And it's going to be tough going down the stretch. With the six games left, we have four of them on the road. Four games on the road. And they're not easy road games. Minnesota at Minnesota. Tough place to play inside a dome. Very loud fan base. Seattle at Seattle. Another one of the most challenging places to play with a team that is a playoff team. Great running game. Quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Which is, Regina Smith, for me, that's pretty surprising to say. A quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over a lot. I guess he got all of them out of the way when he's with the Jets. Then we're at Buffalo in a game where they're definitely going to be wanting some revenge. And it's going to be cold up there in Orchard Park. It's going to be a bitter, bitter day. And then we end the season at Miami, who's only gotten better since we played them. And when we played them, they didn't even have Tua. So it's going to be a tough grind going forward. It's going to be a very tough grind. But I mean, hey, as I said a little bit ago, and I'll say it again because it's the most important thing, we're playing meaningful games in December. The New York Jets have put themselves in a position to make the playoffs and play meaningful football in December. We are not talking about the NFL draft. We are not looking at freaking prospects anymore. This is about playoffs. This is about the freaking playoffs and playing those meaningful games in December is just one small step towards just ending the suffering.